The Jay Severin Show. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. The youngest ever tenured professor of law at the Harvard Law School, advisor to countless presidents, captains of industry, heads of state, scholars, our greatest living, I don't think I need to say, in my opinion, uh, constitutional scholar, expert, author of many books, uh, the most recent, Taking the Stand, My Life in the Law, and... Most honored to say, my friend, Harvard Professor Emeritus of Law, Alan Dershowitz. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thank you so much for that nice introduction. You are my friend, too, and I very much enjoy being on your show. Thank you for taking the time, as ever. It's a, it's a thrill for a lot of us. And, I, and I, I'm going to find out directly who those not included are, and I'm going to contact Donald Trump about it. Uh, <laughs> professor, uh, as we corresponded last evening, there, there is, is there not a rather searing intersection right now of politics and law more than usual? And, oh, and yeah, I sure. illustrate, I, please answer in general, but my illustration, which I hope you'll address, is yesterday's nationally reported contemplation by a jurisdiction, i.e. North Carolina, of prospective criminal action versus Donald Trump in connection with uh, apparent assaults and batteries allegedly at his illegal encouragement. What is the deal here? You know, is <laughs> you is this derivative of fire in a crowded theater? Where do we, what does the law say on this? It's so interesting. About 10 years ago, I was in a bookstore in Manhattan, and the owner of the bookstore said to me, I know you're interested in collecting letters. We just got a letter uh, that was written by Thomas Jefferson in 1800 and had been in the same family for 200 and something years. Are you interested in seeing it? And I looked at it, and I not only saw it and bought it, but wrote a book about it called Finding Jefferson. And the theme of the letter is a question that's asked Jefferson. He's president. It's 1800. It's the 25th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. He's sitting in a study in the White House. And the question is, what happens if a minister preaches and incites violence? Can the minister be indicted for violence? And Jefferson writes this brilliant letter saying absolutely not. We go after the people who commit the violence. We protect freedom of speech. Uh, We don't go after the person who makes the speech, because to do so would suppress freedom of speech. We can't leave it to the morality of judges and jurors, because they might be biased against the speaker. The Constitution protects this kind of speech. This is Thomas Jefferson in 1800, and we still are not convinced that the speaker has to be allowed to speak. If you don't like what he's saying, then don't vote for him. I'm not going to vote for him. Uh, I don't like what he's saying, but you defend his right to express his views. And the real villains here, I have to tell you, are the disruptors. And this is part and parcel of a hard left tactic that's been going on now for years. Organizations like Move On, Black Lives Matter, Students for Justice for Palestine, Code Pink, all have as part of their philosophy to prevent speakers from speaking who they disagree with. How do I know this? 
they've done it to me. Every time I try to make a speech in favor of Israel, even a moderate two-state solution, middle-of-the-road speech, these groups and others try to disrupt me. They disrupted the ambassador from Israel to the United States, Michael Oren. They disrupted a professor named Halbital. They disrupt over and over again. It's part of their tactic. They don't believe in freedom of speech for people they disagree with. And I have to tell you, some of the criticism for this belongs on the head of Senator Sanders, because he has not distanced himself from these radical left censorial organizations. He has welcomed their support. Everybody has been focusing on Trump correctly for not distancing himself from some right-wing extremist organizations. I want to see Senator Sanders distance himself from these left-wing, disruptive, censorial, Stalinist organizations that do not believe in free speech. Professor Dershowitz, where, where comes the clash between speaker and disruptor in law is the shield? It's a very difficult line to draw, but you're allowed to boo occasionally. I've had cases like this. I've taken cases like this to the courts. I've had cases like this over and over again. It started at a, with a professor from Stanford University named Bruce Franklin, who was charged with disrupting uh, speakers during the Vietnam War. And the rule is that you can sporadically boo, but you cannot have sustained noise designed to prevent the speaker from completing his speech. That is, you can express your negative views, depending on the context, of course. In, in the church, you can't do that. In a classroom, you can't do that. If a minister is preaching in the church and a, a man gets up and says, God is dead, you can throw him out, obviously. Uh, that's not the, that's the, the manner and time uh, uh, limitations. Uh, you can't express your views in a private church in that way. But if you're at a political rally, you can. You can call Trump a racist. You can call uh, Sanders a communist. You can say whatever you want. But you cannot prevent him from completing the speech. Now, Move On and Black Lives Matter and these other organizations had as their goal to stop Donald Trump from speaking. They said it. They're on video expressing that point of view, and they succeeded. And they are the ones that should have been uh, prosecuted, not the speaker. Professor, what are, tell us what are fighting words and whether they have yet or could plausibly apply in this circumstance. The Supreme Court has basically eliminated the concept of fighting words. Fighting words was designed for if I walk over to you and say your mother was a, you know, whatever, right. <clears throat> and you then punch me in the mouth. Uh, those are fighting words, but you can't say that a political speaker is engaged in fighting words just because you don't agree with them. Just because you fight doesn't mean it's fighting words. If I say, I actually had in mind, democracy. pardon me, I actually had in mind the disruptors because one yeah. of the things Donald <clears throat> Trump has claimed is that you you've got a young, a big young man screaming the f bomb. In, in a mother who is holding, you know, again, hypo, you know, a mother holding an 18-month-old in her arms and holding on to a four-year-old, and he's screaming the F-bomb in her face. Is there yeah, any line here? It's a, no, it's a harder case if he's a 12-year-old who could actually understand the F-bomb. Okay. But okay. <clears throat> even a young person, no, the F-bomb is not a fighting word. Um, uh, the Supreme Court has held that you can use the F-bomb even in a court. Somebody walked into a courtroom during the Vietnam period uh, wearing an F draft shirt 
and he was prosecuted. And the Supreme Court, in an opinion by Justice Harlan, a very conservative uh, uh, Brahmin uh, uh, mm -hmm. justice, said one man's lyric is another man's obscenity. And, you know, we have, look, the Jefferson— <laughs> you, remember, the Jefferson you remember Abby right. Hoffman during of Chicago, yeah. where he stenciled <laughs> on his forehead. <laughs> of course. And remember that the 1800 election between really three people, it turns out, Adams and Jefferson and then Burr, got into the act, was much more raucous than this election. <clears throat> Jefferson <clears throat> arranged for a man named Calendar to write the most outrageous things about Adams. And it caused the breach in the relationship, personal relationship, between Jefferson and Adams' wife. It was one of the worst elections uh, ever. And we've had elections like that over the years. Uh, you have to protect the speaker. And the role of the police is to make sure the speaker, whether he's David Duke or whether he is uh, somebody on the extreme left, no matter how anti-Semitic, how racist, you have to protect the speaker. And, you know, David Gergen the other day on television said, well, you can't purposely walk into an area like Chicago knowing that you're going to say things that will provoke. Does he not remember Martin Luther King? Martin Luther right. King purposely picked areas to walk into which were white racist areas in order to provoke them to show the world how much racism there was. And the Nazis who marched through Skokie purposely picked yes. a neighborhood that was Holocaust survivors. And I defended their right to march through Skokie. I hated what they were doing, and I hoped they slipped on a banana peel and killed themselves. <laughs> I'm not on their side. But in terms of the law, uh, the law has to protect the speaker. That's what Jefferson said in 1800. That's what the framers of the First Amendment said in 1793. And that's what we have to maintain today, whether it's Donald Trump or, or Bernie Sanders or anyone else. Alan Dershowitz is our guest. Professor, uh, that just I want to try to nail this down a little bit more before we, we move move on to a related area. In terms of the disruptors, given the difference, which we laymen know little of, between assault and battery, using it mm -hmm. interchangeably, as we mistakenly do, back yeah. to our hypothetical of the great big young man screaming an inch away, not touching, but screaming right. at this mother with a couple of kids yeah. in tow, is there a line at which assault kicks in because she is in fear of her well-being? Yeah, I mean, you could make that argument. If she's, if, if he's talking to her face in an assaultive way, um, I was once at a Boston Celtics game, and there was a guy two or three rows behind me. It was during the O.J. Simpson case when I was not the most popular person on the face of the earth. <laughs> and there was a guy two or three rows behind me. I had season tickets to the Celtics, and, you know, I love going to games. And he was just screaming at me, and I was accepting it. And at one point he said, I'm coming down, and I'm shoving uh, something down your throat. At that right. point, the police came in and took him away and said that was assaultive behavior. He had directly threatened me, and I don't have to sit there and accept a direct threat. But before that, he was using the F word, and right, right. you know, if it's in a crowd and it's disruptive, the police can come in and arrest him. What you can't do is hit him, uh, which is what this guy, this Trump right. supporter, did. Uh, you know, elbow him. You can't do that. You have to call the police. Right. Uh, fighting words don't literally excuse you throwing the punch um, uh, in general. I mean, if it's threatening oh. words, if you think your life's in danger or your children are in danger, then obviously you can use self-defense. All right, quickly, if I may, sir, in the, in the, in the minute and a half or so we, we, we have left on the satellite, uh, 
given all of what you've said, do we bookend that with fire in a crowded theater? Is that the bookend of this? Well, fire in a crowded theater is the most overused concept. Uh, The actual case of fire in the crowded theater was socialists handing out a leaflet urging people not to register for the draft and to claim conscientious objection. So, you know, anything can be fire in the crowded theater. I think we ought to reserve that for somebody who actually shouts fire in a crowded theater causing a riot. Uh, But I don't think that what any of the candidates are doing constitutes fire in a crowded theater. So nothing plausibly a candidate is likely to say from a podium is going to be actionable. I mean, it's, no, it's weird. Unless, to, unless it's he the, points to a particular person in the audience and says, I want the crowd to get that person. That would not that be guy. protected okay. speech. Yeah, get right. that guy. That would uh, not be protected f- speech. Final question. I wish we had yeah. much more time. Uh, one last question. A lot of my audience, and well, and, and me, I mean, a lot of us are dismayed by the, the hard fact after 30 years in the, at the sharp end of politics, I've had to report to them, the Republican National Committee is going to change any rule they want at any time. And, and, and some of the most, most informed people in national media seem to accept as a matter of religion that you can, you know, uh, you have to have a first delegate bound uh, loyalty. They, they announced this morning, no, no, that's not true. Is there any civil remedy if the party, if you're a delegate or if you're anybody, and the party capriciously changes rules, in your view? You know, we've never seen that case brought, but I imagine there could be a a contract claim or a claim of, you know, kind of retroactive application of laws. People vote on the assumption that certain rules would apply, and changing the rules in midstream certainly would hurt the party. Uh, Look, I would much prefer to see another nominee uh, than Donald Trump. But if he wins fair and square, I don't think the Republicans should be changing the rules to take it away from him. It's a, we're a democracy. In a democracy, well, Professor, there's no guarantee me, me we'll get the you, candidates that we want. You know, let me assure you that, that something we're calling Project 1236, uh, which originated on this show, is, is being put in play. And the people who run the Republican Party are going to do everything, everything. Now, even if Trump or Cruz do get 1237, they're going to change the rules. It is, it is, it is my uh, conjecture that they're going to change the rules at the convention, first delegate mm-hmm. vote or whatever it happens to be, even if someone gets 1237, so that mm-hmm. they can go in and parachute in Jeb Bush or Kasich or someone like that. But, but that's just remember unfortunately, too that brokered conventions produced Abraham Lincoln uh, and some other pretty good candidates <laughs> over the years. <laughs> and bad cases make bad law, but I suppose there are exceptions. Right. Right. Alan Dershowitz, um, My friend, thank you so very much. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. 